Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with Tim Beadle. And we're talking about something that is both foundational and practical when it comes to disciple making, the whole issue of our identity. And there are layers to our identity, things we need to change about our identity. I'm just going to let Tim take it away there. Tim, where are we going today as we talk about identity and disciple making? Well, I've got to tell you, uh, recently I've gone through a bit of an identity crisis because after 61 years, I have to wear glasses now. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, um, I see it catching up with the rest of us. Yeah, that's about it. I can see more clearly. Well, that, that that's the understanding. So, so I go to the optometrist. I, I said, I don't know if you go for an annual eye eye test. I went a couple of months ago, and it had been three months. I mean, three years before my last annual eye test, and five years before that, and things had changed in my vision. Mm-hmm. And so, for those who of you who uh, know what I'm about to talk about, so they have you put your chin on this little belt and they they put this big machine in front of you it's called a ferropter it has all these like movable lenses and then you look through this machine and then the optometrist he starts turning lenses and he says lens one or lens two lens one and each time he does it it's either more blurry or there's more clarity and so you say one one you know two one and then eventually, all of a sudden, you've, it's like you've got perfect 2020 eyesight. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, in a spiritual sense that unless we really understand our identity in Jesus, mm. that we can spend a lot of our, our lives with a spiritual blurriness, haziness, without the clarity of really understanding who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, mm-hmm. because... <laughs> It's like when I used to teach archery to summer campers. Uh, if you don't keep your eye on that target, you can be an inch off when you start, but where that arrow lands can be miles and miles away. <laughs> and so I've been confronted personally, and God's been speaking to me, Darren, about just this practical principle of making sure uh, our vision has clarity in terms of our identity with Jesus. So I, I've been uh, working through... Uh, the first chapter in the book of Colossians. Hmm. And, if, and the philosopher Carl Jung once said, if you don't know who you are, well, first of all, he said, if uh, the, the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, the world will tell you. Hmm. So just think about that. In the world in which we live, if we we try to be disciple makers, point Jesus, uh, you know, people towards Jesus, we better make sure that, we have the ability to talk about how following Jesus is going to change radically our identity. Mm-hmm. How does that grab you? Oh yeah, no, for sure. You know, as you're saying that, I thought about Romans 12, where you know, don't let, don't be conformed any longer to the world. And I think it's the old J.B. Phillips translation says, "Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold." And yeah. certainly, that identity issue is one where where we we're squeezed into a mold of identity of, of seeing ourselves as something other than we are. Yeah, exactly. So, so when Paul's Paul starts off, uh, and he's writing from, from prison and he's sort of writing back to the church at Colossians. The first thing he says is, 
is to be aware of the gospel message and the expanding nature of the gospel message. Uh, that's sort of the platform for which we operate, realizing that we're involved in something that's far greater than we are. This isn't our story. This is God's story that he's invited us into. And so the gospel, I don't know about you, when when my kids like were really, really young, there's this um, store called Sears. It's not around anymore. <laughs> and they used to have the Sears photo photo gallery. And you used to take your little gaffers in there and they'd put them up on this little uh, counter or covered table. And then the photographer asked, what back backdrop did you want uh, behind your little one to create uh, the landscape or environment uh, that you wanted your little child to be associated with? And so they pulled down, you know, the library one, if you wanted your child to be an academic or the sports one um, or the musical one or, you know, Mickey Mouse or whatever. But the idea is, is that the parents had an aspiration of what they wanted their child to become. And in a spiritual sense, when Paul talks about the gospel message, that's the backdrop that our Heavenly Father aspires that we live in front of that backdrop. Hmm. And when we do that, then that starts the journey of finding our identity in Jesus. Mm, well, that's excellent. You know, uh, we've talked before about Ephesians, and Ephesians and Colossians have a lot of parallels in them, a, a lot of overlapping message. And and I know we've talked about Ephesians before because I'm often preaching through Ephesians yeah. or uh, referencing Ephesians. And just recently, again, I did that prayer at the end of Ephesians chapter three, yeah, you know, where, it's a, where it's a prayer just to understand how God sees us. And and I really frame it up as saying, you know, what we think about what God thinks about us. <laughs> Yep. is a big part of our identity. Yep, that's right. Uh, I love that prayer because it talks about that we can be filled, uh, filled to the fullness of the measure of God, which I'm still trying to get my head around because that impacts my identity as well, correct? Oh boy. And so the gospel message, we have to make sure, I have to make sure that when I consider anything related to disciple making, that this isn't a story I'm making up. Hmm. I'm living in front of, of the gospel message of a loving God who expressed his love to us in sending his son Jesus, who lived a life as an example of what God looks like with, with skin on, as it were, lived a perfect human life, totally God, totally man. And then he died, he rose again, and he bids us follow him. And that is that frames who I am. And if my life isn't living in intentional consistency with that, then, then from the get-go, people are going to be confused uh, when they hear about what the gospel actually is and uh, sort of the example uh, that I try to follow. So that's all part of my identity, how I see myself in Christ. Uh, the, the second area uh, is that we have to learn how to discern God's will. Hmm. And, and that that's how Paul followed up that first section. He says, because of this, where he says, for this reason, or, or in other passages, it'll say, therefore, based on this, uh, based on that, then we have to consider this, that, that we really have to desire to know God's will. Mm. Uh, because if we don't, uh, we can be out of step with him in terms of timing and, and, uh, and, and really struggle in terms of keeping our identity focused in him and in our ability to sort of be an ambassador for Christ in the world. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had some, some, some minor shifts in my, my understanding of God's will and pursuing God's will, obviously back to Romans 12, Tim, you know, yeah. uh, don't be conformed, be transformed by reading of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what his will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Uh, you know, Ephesians again, says, don't be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. And we, we can talk a lot about, you know, knowing God's will. And we're going to talk about that. The slight shift I've had though, has been for me that knowing God's will and knowing God yep. are not radically different, no. No. <laughs> right? Exactly. That, that it, there is alignment with him. There's the John 15 abiding. Yep. And so knowing God and knowing his will are not two radically different things. They're on the same page, really. And if they were radically different, that would be a real problem. <laughs> yes, yes. Because someone's will, you, know, you think humanly, when, when someone is getting on in years and they write their will, the, these are their stated intentions of what they want to see as a reflection of who they are and how they would like to see the, the future happen. And so seeking God's will is so important. You know, this involves asking God for his wisdom. Uh, we think of James 1, where it says, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, uh, he can ask, and God gives generally, uh, generously to all without finding fault. He'll give to anyone who asks. Mm -hmm. So for me, in terms of my life, uh, how God wants me to walk into a lifestyle of disciple-making, it starts with myself being a follower of Jesus, but then it goes beyond that as well. Now, you've mentioned twice uh, Romans uh, 12, and I think in terms of the will of God, the, the crux in the matter when you know God's will is that you have to obey it. Hmm. <laughs> and obey uh, obedience, and, and we've mentioned this per perhaps before in a different podcast, there's something within us that struggles with obedience. I remember as a child where you obeyed your parents and if you didn't you were you're sort of disciplined or punished and you sort of decided i'm going to obey so that i don't have to be punished right <laughs> and in our immaturity we didn't realize that uh every re request hopefully from godly parents was to make us into the person that god would be happy that we would become but we were too immature to understand that and therefore we sort of towed the party line but inside us, there's something that was sort of combative because we wanted to hold on to our own will. And in Romans 12, it talks about, you know, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And, uh, you know, a couple of times when I've had surgery in my life, all of the uh, medical uh, system is at my disposal, the expertise of the surgeons, all the equipment. But unless I sign that letter of consent or that letter of release, mm -hmm. they won't they won't touch me. And so I believe that's what it means to actually uh, submit to the will of God. We have to consciously, as it were, spiritually sign off to God and say, Lord, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's a song I used to sing when I was a kid, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Uh, you know, Thou art the potter and I am the clay type of thing. Uh, and, and, and so I think this is central to our identity in Christ is that we are, if we are always combative in terms of obeying God, uh, it's going to be a life of frustration. Oh. The beautiful thing, the beautiful thing when God asks us to obey him is that he's going to make us look like Jesus. Hmm. 
who's the core of our identity. Uh, what's been your experience in that whole sort of obedience uh, challenge? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I would affirm that for sure. And, and again, we've somehow ended up in Romans 12 quite a bit here. And I think it's interesting that the offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, to, you know, really is a precursor to knowing his will. And for me, that's that's why I didn't see it really well before. The difference between seeking God and seeking his will, I don't see really any difference. That seeking God is inherently seeking his will. Knowing him leads to knowing his will. And uh, basically, when it comes back to our identity, Tim, if we understand, A, who God is, yeah. and B, what he thinks of us, yes. while there still may be that flesh battle in submitting to his will, it is mitigated quite a bit by understanding who this is and yeah. his heart for us. That's wonderful. If you, if you want to Google something called a father's love letter, mm. it's actually a narrative. And the, our creative arts team created our sort of the, the, their own version of this, uh, where before you start doing anything for God, understand the basis of your identity of what God thinks about you. Yeah. That he loves you, you know, throughout the whole Bible, like the whole story of creation is that he wanted the people that he loved that would love him back. And, and uh, obviously Jesus came to sort of save us from that alienation of, of our spiritual waywardness. But the beautiful, uh, several times uh, when you refer to Romans 12, you kept saying, you know, as we seek him, as we seek him. And I think that's the flip side of obedience. Mm -hmm. It isn't just towing the party line and yeah, we'll become like Jesus, but we truly have to seek and, you know, uh, Jeremiah, th there's that favorite verse that everyone always loves. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. And most people memorize that part, but they don't memorize or look at the other part, which says, and then you will call on me and you will come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And here's a good part. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Yeah. So there's this seeking, this this earnestly wanting uh, what God wants for us. Mm -hmm. And I think once we understand how God views us, that he loves us, and we seek that and want it for ourselves and submit to that, then we understand what his will is. Yes. Uh, yeah, his, his holy and his good and perfect will for us oh, as well. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, we can't sit back with our arms folded and say, okay, God, Reveal your will to me, and then I'll decide whether I'm going to do it. Exactly. It doesn't work exactly. that way. It starts with the blank check. <laughs> yeah, God, God's much too wise for that. So so, so when we start going and, and finding God's will, you know, I, the reason that Jesus came was to be an example. And, and we've said this so many times, that we are to, uh, if we claim to be in Christ, we will walk as he walked. Mm. Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. So I think... We really have to have a big view of who God's son is. Mm. I challenge people on Christmas Eve, don't put Jesus back in the box when you put away your Christmas decorations. Because <laughs> <laughs> so often, you know, we're, the, the problem with Christmas is that it's only one week away from the new year. And all of a sudden now we're making years resolutions and, and we just forget what we've, the, you know, the, the greatest act in human history is that Jesus came and then he died, of course. But the beautiful thing, if you want to, to, to read in Colossians 1, chapter 15, it talks about Jesus. It talks about God's son and him fully revealed how he's the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. And and 
sort of through him, all things have been made and in him, all things hold together. And this is the challenge to realize in our identity that unless, unless it is centered in Jesus, you know, the author and the perfecter of our faith, then we will never truly live out uh, what it means to be fully alive. Hmm. And so I, I, that, that, that's the furthest step as I go into this, you know, the, the what of our identity. Well, it's the gospel message that we live in front of the how in our identity. Well, we have to discern God's will. The who in our identity, we, we have to stand back and be in awe hmm. of who Jesus is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, Tim, as far as our identity goes, the end game, you've already referred to it. God's end game is to make us like Jesus. Yeah. Like that is, you know, I, I always ask people the question, you know, once you've come to faith, repentance yeah. and belief, what is God's ultimate goal for you? It is yeah. to make you like Jesus. Yeah. And part of making us like Jesus, the way that shows up is in character, but also shows up in conduct. It shows up in joining him on his mission. Yeah. You know, to seek and to save the lost, to be disciples, to make disciples. So our identity then flows into how we actually live our lives. And you talked about it, understanding what life's really about, you know, fulfilling the reason for which we are created is is identity and union with Jesus on his mission. Yeah, and if we don't really dig down deep into that, and that, that, that's what God has really been pressing upon my heart, mm. is that um, don't get too far ahead of me, he said, Tim. <laughs> he said, let's keep the main thing the main thing. And um, and so I've, I've just been digging down. But it's been, I don't know, have, have you ever had sort of like a jaw-dropping event uh, you know, for me, it was like standing on the cusp of the uh, of the Grand Canyon, and just trying to take in the magnitude of it all. Or I've been up in Yellowknife, and and to see the uh, the Northern Lights dancing across the sky, and you just realize like something big is going on here. Huh. And and uh, I had a uh, a friend. His name was Eric. He lived in Miami, and he came up to Calgary. He had never seen the mountains, and so I took him out there. I said, he's probably never seen the mountains or tasted Alberta beef. So we did both that day. <laughs> so the neat thing is you sort of get, you go out to Banff and you get on the uh, Sulphur Mountain gondola and you start going up. And as soon as we start going up, he starts taking pictures. And I said, no, Eric, wait till we get to the top. <laughs> but no, no, he has to take all these pictures all the way up. And then when we step out of the gondola and, and we go uh, to the summit, and see the expansive nature of the Rocky Mountains, his jaw literally drops. Hmm. And he, he picks up his camera and he starts moving back further, further to try to get it all in. This is before panoramic shots. Right. Because he, he's being exposed to something that is so magnificent that he's in awe of it. Hmm. And I believe uh, when we read in Colossians 1.15, in terms of our identity, if we are to be like Jesus, don't put Jesus in a box. Stand back and see that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, who by who everything has been created. Mm. And in him, all things hold together. Because when we start discipling people, and when we look at our lives, things are always falling apart. Mm. Always. And people are looking for an answer or a solution or a quick fix. And I believe ultimately that's only found in Jesus. So, uh, yeah. yeah. No, well, and, and that's, that's a solid, a solid foundation for identity to just emphasize again in different words, Tim, our identity is in his hands. Yeah. Who we are is in his hands. He calls us by name. 
You know, he, yeah. he changes us. He gives us a new name. He recreates us, gives us a new birth. So our identity, our security, our our eternity, it's all in his hands. And that's, so it's not something we self-generate. It's not something we need to be frantic about. And so, you know, we've been in Romans 12 a lot, just coming back to yeah. that, just offering ourselves to him, I think puts us in the right place in terms of our identity as both Christ followers, disciple makers, and just children of the Most High. And I think once you truly believe that, you can rest in that, mm. find peace in that. And then, as you said before, and then God, God has work for us to do. <laughs> because uh, in that description of who Jesus is, it describes him as the head of the church. The church are, are the gathering of believers who basically are those who are following Jesus. They're imitating him. And Jesus has work for us to do. And um, the struggle is sometimes, and I think you can speak to this because in your 12 church movement, sometimes it doesn't align totally with the traditional church, the building, the programs and things like that. We get back to the essence of what our identity is in following Jesus and obeying his command to go into our world and make disciples and make disciples. Oh, yeah. And that's really been our starting point in a lot of ways, saying what are we called to be and do and how can we best be and do that? you know, from a blank slate. And so that's, you know, led to the shaping both of not just of our, our ministry as such, but our lives, the way we actually live. We're trying to shape it around who has God called us to be and do. Now, you know, if you kept, you know, this could be another conversation for another day. Uh, But right after we, we read about Jesus as the head of the church, Paul says, and, and I want to present you mature or complete in Christ. Mm. And obviously that that's a podcast for another day. But I really wanted to, uh, I don't know about you, you know, some of these podcasts that that, that we um, uh, give give to our listeners, uh, you know, we, we aren't sort of just writing this all up and reading a script. This is, this is in life, in moment, uh, what God is teaching us day by day, hour by hour. And this is the one that he's teaching me right now about, don't forget who you are in Christ, mm-hmm. because through the gospel, through your ability to hear from God, his will, through understanding the fullness of what it means that Jesus is God's son, the eternal son of God who holds all things together. And in him, uh, he's got work for us to do in the church. Uh, that was my last week, Darren, in terms of oh, walking wow. with Jesus. <laughs> That's so so excellent, Tim. And, you know, and maybe to land it, before we we started recording, we talked about that Sun Life resource called 33 Things That Happen at the Moment of Salvation. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a list of 33 things that are very biblical. Let me just read the first few. Yeah, do that. The moment you come to faith in Christ, repentance and faith, you're forgiven, a child of God, have access to God, reconciled, justified, placed in Christ, acceptable to God. You're a heavenly citizen. You're of the family and household of God. You have a heavenly association. And that's just 10 of the 33. And those things shape our identity and need to be the foundation from all of our doing, knowing that, you know, flows from that being flows from what he has accomplished in us at the moment without any effort on our part. Again, our identity is in his hands. Okay. So let, let me, let me land the plane just by reading uh, from Colossians one hmm. verse 10, because this sums it up so beautifully. Uh, Paul says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord. Hmm. And may please him in every way. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so thanks for joining uh, with us for, for another heartfelt conversation related to what it means 
to be a follower of Jesus and then to obey his command to make uh, disciples of others. Uh, with my friend uh, Darren Wright, I'm Tim Beadle. Join us again at Disciple Making. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.